one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Aftermath. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Camilla Townsend. She is a distinguished professor of history specializing in early Native American and Latin American history at Rutgers University, and she has a fascinating take on the fall of the Aztec Empire. Uh, Hi, Dr. Townsend. It's so great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Can you talk to us uh, about the Mexica's rise to power? Sure. About 100 years before the Spaniards ever got to Mexico, uh, the Mexica uh, came down from the north, actually from today's Arizona, New Mexico, and they kind of hired themselves out as mercenaries, fought this group and that group on, on behalf of others, and eventually settled on a little tiny island in the very center of Mexico. It was a swampy area. No one else wanted it. So they set up their little town there. And uh, over the course of three to four generations, they managed to conquer so much territory, so many other tribes, that they were really running Mexico by the time the Spaniards got there. And can you set the stage for us? So it's 1519. What is life like for the people of Tenochtitlan? 
When Cortes got there, or when the Spaniards arrived in 1519, uh, the island city of Tenochtitlan was truly impressive. Uh, there were tens of thousands of people on that island, and uh, if you count the population living around the island, sort of if you thought of the greater, the greater New York City area as an equivalent, as opposed to just the island of Manhattan, there may have been as many as a quarter of a million people. Um, Motezuma, the, the high chief, or the emperor, as we sometimes call him, had uh, zoological gardens. He had libraries of, you know, uh, scroll books on, that were painted, painted glyphs. There were very orderly streets that were kept clean by street cleaners. Running water was brought in from the surrounding area in, you know, via aqueducts. Uh, people, Euro including Europeans, when they got there, who wandered the streets, said it was enormously beautiful. Gardens everywhere, songbirds everywhere. After the arrival of the Spanish, and when it comes to Moctezuma, we don't really buy that such a, a powerful emperor uh, with, you know, libraries and, 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 and a quarter of a million people living in a city, he just kind of surrendered to Cortes and his men. What, what do we know about him? And what, uh, what's your take on Cortes and his first meeting? So Moctezuma had been high chief for 17 years when the Spaniards got there. He was by then a middle-aged man, uh, considered very savvy um, and a, a very effective emperor or head of state. There is no evidence from that time period that he just gave up his kingdom and said, here, take it, it's yours, mi casa es su casa. Nor any evidence that they thought the white men were gods. You know, th these things were myths that were developed in the late 1500s by Spaniards. Um, at the time, uh, Montezuma was not certain whether he should fight or not, but he tended to think not. He asked certain subsidiary states, client states, to attack the Spaniards as they made their way up from the coast, and that did happen. And he learned from reports on those battles uh, that the Europeans were forced to be reckoned with. Remember that they were mounted on horses. They were all wearing metal armor, which shattered stone or flint arrows. Um, so they, they really were not a force that could be easily beaten. Uh, probably if all of the central Mexicans had banded together to fight at one time, uh, they could have won a battle, but there would have been thousands dead for every one that died on the Spanish side because of their armor, their horses, their crossbows. So Montezuma knew this, and when he went out to meet the Spaniards as they were arriving, we assume at this point, the scholars assume that what he really wanted was information. He was going to make these newcomers welcome in his city, and get to know them and find out what they really wanted. Would some sort of tribute perhaps keep them away in future if he was willing to pay it? That sort of thing. Uh, but there is no evidence that he actually was overwhelmed by the Spaniards or looked on them with awe or thought they were gods. Uh, he just wished that his people had metal armor like they did. Yes, it feels like a very strategic move on his part to send other groups to fight them and, and to, to retain that information, to gather that intel. Absolutely. Hey, he also tried to play, uh, you know, the, the various puzzle pieces at hand to his advantage. Uh, of course, the Spaniards had an excellent translator, a, a, a young woman who had been... Um, put into slavery by the Aztecs, so she hated the Aztecs. And so the Spaniards knew a great deal about the local situation, and they knew, for example, that there were several client states, subsidiary states, who really hated the Aztec overlords. Um, and so they played that card. They tried to convince 
other people to side with them and against the Aztecs. Not everybody did. There's kind of a modern day myth that all the people in Mexico were just waiting for someone else to come and someone they could rally around and, you know, turn against the hated Aztecs. It wasn't quite that simple. The Aztecs had a lot of friends and allies. A lot of people wanted to be them. A lot of people were allied to them through marriage, etc. Uh, so it was a complicated playing board in which different city states, different ethnic states had to decide who they were going to ally with. And some chose the Aztecs, some chose the Spaniards. It was a complicated game. So can, can we talk about this translator, um, Malintzin? I think that's how you say her name. You got it. Right. Her, her name in Nahuatl, in their language, was uh, Malintzin. She ha- was from the Veracruz area. It was called Quetzalcoatlcos in those days. And her people were threatened by the Aztecs. Uh, her people were eventually attacked, and she was given into slavery and sold by Aztec merchants to the Mayas. She was living as a slave among the Mayas when they lost a battle with Cortez and then gave her and 19 other girls uh, as a peace offering, as slaves. Uh, the slaves were to be the peace offering to the Spaniards. Uh, eventually, uh, Cortez realized that she not only spoke Mayan, but also Nahuatl, the Aztec language. Uh, she had learned that as a child because it was spoken in her area. So she was invaluable. There's a sort of a myth or a prejudice that exists out there that she was somehow selling her own people out. But she wasn't. Of course, if anything, she hoped to see the Aztecs destroyed because they had attacked her people who lived, as I said, in the Veracruz area. So she was a, a slave uh, who had found freedom in, these, in this war. Um, and, and the newcomers, in her eyes, were good people because the Aztecs were the enemy. Right. For years, I I feel like she's been used as a scapegoat. We're trying to right some wrongs here along the way. That's right. (laughs) She has been treated unfairly. And it's kind of a weight on the shoulders of of a lot of indigenous women in Mexico to this day that somehow their ancestor is responsible for all this. But it's not true. It's really not fair. (laughs) So... What was the at- atmosphere uh, in in the city of Tenochtitlan those first few months between the Aztecs and the Spanish before Cortez goes off to uh, the shore to uh, you know deal with Velasquez's people? What is the tension like? You know when supposedly Moctezuma is taken uh, prisoner. Well, at first, the relations between the the Spaniards and the essentially the visiting Europeans are pretty good. The Europeans toured the city; they were impressed. The the the, the Nawas, the Mexica, were trying to get more information. But little by little, tensions did arise. The Spaniards. Uh, wanted sex from local women and they didn't necessarily want to give it. The Spaniards needed a lot of food and fresh water uh, and they didn't want to pay as much for it as the city folk wanted. Uh, So little by little, more people got angry. Montezuma kept trying to calm his people down, saying, look, I I have these battle reports. It's not going to go well if we fight them. Um, Let's just uh, treat them well, gain information, and eventually they will leave. Um, but as you as you just alluded to, but eventually uh, Cortez got a message that more Spaniards had arrived at the coast and he went to meet them. While he was gone, uh, relations between the Spaniards and the indigenous people in the city soured dramatically. There was a horrible, really I have to say massacre um, at a dance festival that the indigenous people were holding. Uh, the, the Spaniard who had been left in charge, uh, Pedro de Alvarado, decided that it was really a war dance, or at least he said that that's what he feared. 
um, and he had all the participants, hundreds of young warriors slaughtered. This caused, as you can imagine, immense uproar in the city. And people began to say, we got to ignore Montezuma. He says we you know, shouldn't fight these people, but we've got to fight them. So when Cortez and the other Spaniards made their way back to the city, uh, they surrounded them in their palace compound and they sent messengers messengers saying look we know that more of us will die than you uh, at first but eventually we will overwhelm you um, so get ready uh, we, we're we're going to destroy you um, and at that point in desperation cortez and the spaniards break out at night uh, get to the causeways because you might remember this is an island city um, and lots of them drown as they're trying to cross these causeways, because people back then, most of them weren't that good at swimming. Uh, meanwhile, the Indians hear that they're leaving and they come and they begin to shoot at them. And some of the arrows find their way. Um, uh, they're in canoes, these words, and they find their ways up into the sort of the armpits and in, in the chin area uh, from below, in other words. And so they're able to kill some of the Spaniards that way. All told, about a quarter of the Spaniards died that night. The Spanish still refer to that night as La Noche Triste, the sad night. But about three quarters of them did escape together with a bunch of their indigenous allies, and they made their way out to another town called Tlaxcala, where they, where they in, effect, uh, in effect, made a peace treaty. Uh, with these outsiders and, and promised to go back together to try to bring the Aztecs down. So when when Cortez returns, what kind of resistance is he greeted with? After the Spaniards left and they busted out on that Noche Triste, uh, the smallpox exploded, the epidemic exploded in the city. And for about three months, um, much of Tenochtitlan was immobilized, either sick or caring for the sick. It had about a 20% death rate, so it leaves COVID-19 in the dust. The Spaniards did not come back and attack then, um, even though many of them did have immunity. Because smallpox is a disease that you only get once. You know, once you've had it, you're immune. So by the time you're in middle age, if you live that long, you're pretty much immune to smallpox. They didn't come back, though, because their indigenous allies were also dying in droves. We tend to forget that when we blame the disease. It wasn't entirely the disease's fault. The disease did um, undermine Aztec efforts, but it actually you know, devastated all indigenous communities, including the people who were siding with the Spaniards. So in effect, the war just stopped for a few months, um, and then the epidemic moved on, as we are seeing now. It, it moves to to new territory. Um, so eventually it moved both south and, and a little bit north. And then the war picked up again. By that time, more Europeans had come with more horses, more armor, more crossbows. Um, so they, by the time Cortez returned, his allies had either died or recuperated from the smallpox, and he had dozens more horses, hundreds more men, and lots more um cannons, ammunition, crossbows, etc. Oh, I see. So in your opinion, um, do you think that the Aztecs could have held their ground against the Spanish if they hadn't been hit with the with the smallpox? Yes and no. It would have bought them some time. That is, the smallpox hastens their demise um, for about three months. You know, they were sick or, or, or recovering. They weren't fighting. Again, though, that was also true of the enemy, not so much the Spaniards as their indigenous allies. So it would have been 
more possible for them to keep fighting, to keep up a, the good fight, so to speak, for longer if they hadn't been hit uh, by the smallpox. But they were going to lose, ultimately, even if the disease had not been present. There was at least a 5,000, maybe a 10,000-year technology gap between the two sides. Uh, the Aztecs had only been sedentary farmers uh, for, or they, they had only been there for 100 years, but the people of the Central Valley of Mexican, Mexico had only been sedentary farmers uh, for a couple thousand years, whereas the people in the old world, as you know, had been farming since ancient Mesopotamia, right, since the days of the Fertile Crescent. They had had 10,000 years to develop blacksmithy shops, compasses, ships, printing presses, all the things that come with sedentary life. Um, whereas the Aztecs had not had that much time. So they were, it was almost as if they were at the technological phase of, say, the ancient Sumerians, if you remember that from grade school. It would be as if the ancient Sumerians had come face to face with Renaissance Europe. The ancient Sumerians were impressive as hell. Uh, you can think of the ziggurats and, you know, all, all you know about the Fertile Crescent. Um, but they couldn't have taken down the Holy Roman Empire and, and Charles V of Spain and throw in the Tudors of England, too. That just wasn't uh -huh. happening, right? You know? um, so it's as if, again, it's as if a, a society that was as impressive as ancient Mesopotamia came face to face with, with Renaissance Europe. They fought the Aztecs, after the passing of the smallpox epidemic, they fought tooth and nail. Uh, it took uh, it, three months of hard hand-to-hand -hand fighting in an inner city area, an urban warfare, guerrilla warfare, for the Spaniards to bring them down. But they did bring them down. Now, the Spaniards also had many allies. But the reason they had those allies, in effect, was because they had this extraordinary technology. They were able to build ships in that central lake very quickly. And those ships could then just, when the wind was right, bear down on that island city in half an hour. Uh, it, this, this sort of thing had just never happened before because they hadn't had sailing. They'd had canoes, but not sailing technology in that part of the world. Or if 100 men attacked on horseback, maybe one would be injured, but they would trample on and skewer and torch hundreds or even thousands of other people. When the, wow. when the Spaniards shot their little cannons from the shipboards that they had, you know, the ships that they had built in that in that lake, they could destroy a whole neighborhood by sending flaming arrows into it. They could destroy a whole neighborhood in a morning. So it just wasn't a fair fight. Uh, the, the Aztecs gave as good as they could, uh, and they learned how to use some of the equipment. At one point, they captured a catapult, for example, and they thought, we'll learn how to use it. But um, it, 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 was, it was, you know, harder to do than first seemed, and they decided eventually to just sink it in the lake. <laughs> um, so what would you say then ultimately was the, is to blame for the fall of the Aztec Empire? Well, this may surprise you, but I actually think it's the fault of some plant seeds. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> I mean that in ancient Iran and Iraq in the Fertile Crescent, they happened to have a constellation of incredible plant seeds. Uh, ancient wheat and ancient peas taken together are basically the single best set of ancient crops that existed anywhere in the world. Uh, so they became the people there became farmers. They gradually gave up hunting and gathering. In other parts of the world, the seeds just 
couldn't match it. They could they paled in comparison. So, for example, you have corn in Mesoamerica. It's not a complete protein. After millennia of trying to grow it bigger and bigger and getting those kernels larger and larger. Think of like the Chinese corn and Chinese food, how it, uh-huh. how that had to grow into a, a big ear uh-huh. of corn. And then they also had to figure out that you had to eat it in the same day as you ate beans. If you eat corn and beans together, it's a complete protein. It's like a hamburger. But it took about five millennia longer um, to get there than it did to just start to plant ancient wheat. Ancient wheat is as, was as good then as it is now. So they, the people of, of, the, of ancient Iran and Iraq and the old world became farmers about, you know, between five and 10,000 years before the people of Mexico became full-time farmers, or really uh, before the people of sub-Saharan Africa or, or uh, elsewhere in Latin America or North America. So it gave the Europeans and the Chinese a huge advantage when they expanded outward from the old world because they had all this technology that they had, had thousands of years to develop. Hunters and gatherers can't really develop that much technology, just what they need for hunting and gathering. They don't have time. They're on the move all the time. Uh, right. They can't build blacksmith shops or something like right. that because they got to keep moving. Uh, so it really it, it make they're not a, it has nothing to do with intelligence. They're not at all any less intelligent, um, but it does mean that there's going to be a big a big differential when the two sides meet. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say the Spaniards should get off completely. They were not nice guys. And I wouldn't say Montezuma should get off completely. He could have made a few decisions a little differently, and then the war would have lasted longer. But ultimately, it was really the fault of the plant seeds. <laughs> I think what you're getting at here is 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 nutrition, really, and the ability to uh, once once we are fed, the the ability we are to then um, grow as a society. And you know, we still see that happening today. So it's fascinating. Right, right. You, to be fed, but to be fed also in in a, in such a way that you don't need to keep moving around. To be able to you know start a city or town and just stay there. It allows right, right. room for all sorts of developments, you know, alphabet weapons, compasses, all sorts of things that you just can't do when you're chasing the deer or the rabbits or grabbing some cranberries and moving on, you know. If only they had trail mix. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Dr. Townsend. It's been wonderful talking to you, and it's, it's given us a lot of clarity. It's been a pleasure. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow, I'm so glad that we got to talk to Dr. Townsend. I mean, she really threw in a curveball there in the last second. I mean, the whole time, I think. And just to remind everyone, we ended up sending smallpox to jail and we gave Spanish machismo the big slap. Now, how do we feel about our decisions and how do we feel about Dr. Townsend's revelatory... (laughs) conversation oh i don't know if you guys have been checking the uh pot the um alarmist jail um message boards but the smallpox is spreading and spreading fast and these guys (laughs) and gals who we have sent into the alarmist jail are not feeling well Uh, oh we're gonna feel like real assholes if we made a mistake but it's too late it's too Amanda. I'm telling you, it is too late. Oh no! It's what have we be... done? Wait, Rebecca, is that making you rethink the verdict? Because it kind of got to me. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it really is making me rethink the verdict. I I have to admit, and I just want to say, and we we're not going to talk about this for long, but I was kind of redeemed regarding the fashion industry. <laughs> A, a tiny bit. How? No. And we don't have no. to talk about this. No, How? Right. What did she say? She did mention the armor. She mentioned how okay. how the the stones and everything they were throwing at the uh, at the Spanish was pulverizing or breaking apart once it hit their armor. Okay, I'm she, just saying. She did say those Aztecs wish they had that armor. but you know credit to the spanish for slimming down to be able to fit into that armor you know are you calling the aztecs fat chris (laughs) no i'm saying they slimmed down i mean to get into those fashionable threads they had to really watch their weight i i guess there's no comparison chris (laughs) um no i i i'm not calling the aztecs fat look um the Fashion and the fa- the way that the armor was designed, um, it was it was part of, and this is what she said at the end, the thousands of years of technological development that Europe, like, and the way she put that, um, the way she framed the what's it called, the crescent, uh, fertile crescent, the fertile, fertile crescent, crescent. Yeah. is basically like. A petri dish, or like a uh, like human humanity, got to sort of develop. 
for so long in that area that any sort of civilizations that stemmed from it had a huge advantage. Right. Um, Yeah, it felt like, first of all, modern warfare um, was massive to the, the, um, the, the losing the Aztecs losing that war and time, just the ability to grow as a civilization and, and, um, set roots and, um, really, um, have the time to, uh, I'm trying to say like rise in technology (laughs) or, uh, over, you know, figure it out. It's almost like they had time. They didn't have enough time to figure it out. It really makes me think about immigration. That is interesting. And all of these, um, uh, just just how that works and how that really affects a, a group. Well, in, in the, the, the uh, growth and economic growth, not just economically, but, you know, uh, being the first people in a, in a family to be able to go to college and that kind of stuff takes time and and with immigration you're talking about like a tiny tiny percentage of the disparity we're talking about with the aztecs and the spanish because when she said there was a five to ten thousand year technological disparity that's almost incomprehensible to me (laughs) like i i didn't realize i think we just didn't put enough emphasis on how important this was in the Spanish's advantage, because when you say it like that, um, when you're putting a hundred Spaniards against thousands and thousands of Aztecs, like the Spaniards really did still have an advantage. Yeah. And, and, and it, I like what she said. It had nothing to do with how smart yeah. they were. Um, it just, it really just was a matter of time. It was a matter of time. Yeah. And the way she explained how they were able to, they had the, wherewithal to build those boats you can imagine the those tenochtitlan the city all those waterways were just used for canoes and here comes this massive ship um and the i'm sure the aztecs were just shocked by that well, and they, the spanish knew how to build those things they had the technology they had the experience and it just gave them they had advantages every which way mm-hmm. yeah they the, the ability that they were they had a shipbuilder with them and he was able to just it wasn't even that it was a massive ship it was the perfect ship because they were actually like sailboats what they what they built were sailboats, but they were perfectly made so that they could put the cannons and the artillery, but still go through the causeways and the canals. It was just like, oh, I see, uh, ingenuity or something like uh, technological ingenuity. I, it, it's it, it is really fascinating. I mean, it's like it's like you're a six year old and a bully comes up to you, but the bully isn't another six-year-old. It's, it's a 35-year-old bully. 35-year-old mm, in their prime. In their prime, exactly. With a car and money. And, and like who has taken like boxing classes on the weekends. Like, <laughs> like boxing and jujitsu, like they know how to fight too. It's basically like me going 10,000 years into the past. <laughs> And then being, I mean, I don't know. It's just, that's really what it is. It's like a time machine. Yes. You're so right, Amanda. It's It's a time machine. It's a time machine. These people from the future went to the past 
and and just took advantage. Yeah. You know, it's also you could blame you can kind of blame uh um plate tectonics because we had a whole ocean. <laughs> I mean, I did bring whole, that up. There's a whole ocean. I think I cut that. I, I, think I, cut, I think I cut that part. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but if but if more but if more of uh civilization had developed out of the fertile crescent, then uh we'd all be starting sort of on equal footing. So there wouldn't have been this uh yeah. Anyway, we're sort of getting into. I mean, you could also blame amoeba. You know, I guess, we all laughed. We all laughed when I brought up t- plate tectonics, and Amanda actually erased it from the original recording. <laughs> well, I thought you because... were so out there. I was like, I'm saving her from herself. But looking back, I was totally wrong because you were onto something. <laughs> I brought. I started it by saying we should talk about the dinosaurs, and maybe that's what threw her off. <laughs> and then here she goes again. You guys don't know this, but I cut out a whole dinosaur rant from every episode. <laughs> I should start cutting you wanting to blame the fashion industry. No, <laughs> I don't know. The fans kind of like that stuff. I think. I think so. I, I do. Um, so, Rebecca, tell us. Do you think like this? warrants a retrial or where's your head at i think this definitely warrants a retrial and i think that we can actually come up with it you know right now i i i think she's correct in the sense that smallpox isn't while it really hampered the uh the fight in the end they were able to keep fighting um and while i mean it's hard to say but what she said, you know, I wanted to know, like, if they hadn't gotten smallpox, would they still have had a shot? And her response was no. Mm. Maybe they would have fought for a little longer, but ultimately the technology would have caught up to them. And I think, you know, I'm not sure what the exact phrasing is. Maybe you guys can help me. But I think it's like, it's something to do with the time machine and it, maybe it's literally matter of time that needs to go into the alarmist jail. Or, I mean, okay, so she, what she said was good seeds. Right. So then who would be to blame would be ba- bad seeds, right? Aztec, the, 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 bad seeds, the bad seeds in the Americas. Lack of good seeds. Lack of good seeds. Because what she was saying is that uh, uh, the seed has to um, grow into what it is right now so like they have to mix seeds and like allow them to change it's like the the changing of 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 food i think i have an idea i have a pitch okay we send corn corn (laughs) because she was shit talking corn and she said you know if corn had been more nutritious it could have been Uh a game changer and they had a lot of corn they were, well, they were like, they kept looking for better corn, right? So they had to keep moving. So had they just found good corn wherever they were, um, it, what she said it was New Mexico and Arizona in that area. And also then, co- corn isn't, she said corn's not a complete protein, not like the good wheat that they had right. in the Fertile Crescent. Right. I think it was beans. That, it was like beans If you mix corn, corn and beans. Mix, yeah, she said if you protein. mix corn and beans, you're all set. You get it. uh-huh. And they didn't know that. So maybe it was bad cooks. It was just <laughs> bad cooks. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. Or um, I mean, I think we could put technological if you want to go more broad, I think we could do technological disparity. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I think also we could use a figurehead. It could be corn or um, no good seeds as a figurehead for technological disparity. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think I'm going to go with Professor Townsend and send those um, seeds to the alarmist jail because they didn't help. They didn't help them. I got to. Uh, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I am not going to. We're not going to like the looks on the faces of the people in the alarmist jail <laughs> when we say, oops, sorry, guys. We're going to take out the smallpox that we put in here with you guys. And we're going to give you this little pile of seeds. Do you know how pissed the British government is going to be? Do you know how pissed man's hubris is going to be when we do that? I'm not going to be there when we make That's that That's a bad mistake because the seeds you know, would have been awesome. They could have... Wait, so are we sending good <laughs> seeds or no good seeds or bad seeds? Uh, yeah, the bad seeds we're sending. I mean, you. It's. it's I mean, now no. you're sort of like, <laughs> I don't know how to parse through this, but <laughs> if it wasn't for the good seeds, the Spanish probably wouldn't have had the technology to even take boats across the sea right okay so, and also i the think good seeds will be a little bit of a reparation to every the smallpox riddled jail um people because they can plant a garden sure <laughs> if we send them bad seeds it's kind of like insult to yes, injury that is a, i would say that is a very very small consolation <laughs> <laughs> You know, another thing we could do is send um, guns to jail. That might feel more satisfying. Well, guns and good seeds, just to sort of throw this out there. It's like they have contributed to the, like this. Where we're talking about is good technological development that has contributed to the lives we lead now, to the advancement of medicine, to all of the comforts of our daily lives, to technology, to us being able to do a podcast and sort of make a living. <laughs> <laughs> podcasting. So I wouldn't say te good technology is to blame. I would say, if anything, the fall of the Aztec empire, unfortunately, was the bad seeds, because that is what sort of took them so long to build right. Tenochtitlan. Like, the, the city probably could have been built thousands of years ago, and they could have developed out technology quicker if the Americas had better seeds. Okay, so here's what I think we should do. I think I'm going to need to go to jail, um, and I'm going to need to make a formal apology <laughs> to all of those. As the leader of the alarmists, I'm going to have to apologize. And really mean it. Like, and you yes, can't laugh. It's going to be a really good speech. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> and we're going to let smallpox out. Sorry, world. Sorry, world. Um, and we're going to put a, 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 a handful of bad seeds and some cannons and uh, 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 war, war weapons. Oh. Weapons okay. of war. Not horses, because she said even if they didn't have weapons, even though they just had horses and boats, they maybe still would have won. You think so? Yes. Weapons, uh, a horse... What? No we'll boats, no horse. boats, no boats, because they still, the Aztecs still could have figured out a boat okay. situation. We'll give them one horse, a sack of bad seeds, no boats, and one body armor, one piece of body armor. Uh, no, we're going to put just a stack of weapons. How about a cannon, a cannon, because the Aztecs put that cannon in the water. We'll, we'll get that one out. Yeah. 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 A wet okay. cannon. 
A cat, there was a cat. Yeah, now we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to keep this uh these things that we put in the prison in our jail uh in solitary confinement because we can't let the other prisoners get a hold of these weapons. <laughs> oh geez. I, I mean, yeah, it's true. So And do okay. you want to and you're keeping um machismo as the big slop. We're happy with that. I feel pretty good about that. You know, it really was the the Spanish could have been like, I'm sorry, you know, let's let them be, you know, we, why do we need all this gold? You know, they could have just respected that it's not really a fair fight because they really were, um, you know, taking advantage yeah. of the situation. So, yeah. So I feel good about the slap. All right. It's settled. Bad seeds. A wet cannon, a horse, and a stack of weapons of war. You're going to the alarmist jail. <laughs> See a smallpox. Bon voyage. <laughs> I think I like the practice of having to distill it down to a few specific items, like physical items that we yeah. put in the jail, <laughs> it, as opposed to like sort of more broad concepts. I mean, well, that's why, just to mix that's it why I really wanted a big giant cord on the cob with little arms in the jail <laughs> and like a little face yeah. and a little prison uniform. Can you just imagine that? And you know what I else I think we should put in an alarmist jail. It's not really anything, but it's maybe in your apologies, just make a solemn promise to really, really think about it before you put another disease in the jail. That's good. <laughs> Put That's a lot, good. you'll really yeah. put a lot of thought yeah. into it yes. next time. Yeah. All right. Well, it's our job is never easy, and this one was a difficult one, but sometimes you got to do what you have to do. Yeah. And sometimes you got to call that expert. Really got to call the expert. You got to change your mind. It's okay to change your mind, people. I'm actually glad that we do the guest expert episodes after we record because it's like we would get it right too much if we talk to the guest experts beforehand yeah uh, we, we, we would it, we would always we, be right we already get it right too much you know <laughs> and we would even get it right even more which is like too right um well what it what a good uh it was a really good time talking to dr townsend um and before we go i got this um message on our instagram from a listener called thomas and they brought up something really interesting he said i love the concept of the big clap and i get that it rhymes with the big slap but i'm am i the only one who thinks it sounds like an std (laughs) (laughs) no i that's crossed my mind (laughs) i must admit it hadn't crossed my mind but i think i'm gonna still keep it yeah, because with with every clap, you know, don't let it get to your head. Well, you'll get an STD, you know? <laughs> it's a good reminder. Uh, also, can we shout out our Facebook page? Um, we have an uh, uh, the Alarmy Facebook page if you want to join and join the conversation with other members of the Alarmy. Yeah, it's a private page. Uh, set up by one of our listeners, Debbie, and sh- uh, you can uh, go on there and talk in private. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get yourself the big clap. The big clap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and also follow us on Instagram. We're at the Alarmist Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Alarmist 
the, and you can send us an email at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It keeps the mics on over here. And tune in next week. We're going to be talking about the 2008 financial crisis. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.